Hello, everybody. Welcome to this CRMG podcast on growing online business while managing security risks. Uh, I'm Simon Rycroft, co-founder and director at Cyber Risk Management Group, CRMG, and we're a leading provider of cybersecurity and information risk services. I'm joined by Nick Frost, also co-founder and director at CRMG, and Today, we'd like to welcome back our friends from Cyborn. And Cyborn is a managed detection and response organization. They provide business optimization um, via security enhancement. And more specifically, we're joined by Ashwin Jayaram, CEO, and by Radu Hutan, the uh, SOC manager. So, welcome, everyone. Thank you. Good to be here. So let's get stuck in. Today's topic then, um, managing the cyber risks while growing online business. It, it, it really resonates right now for a whole range of reasons to my mind. Um, not least because, of course, the last few months have forced many traditional organizations to refocus, uh, explore how they can shift their entire business models online, um, not to mention the more tech-oriented businesses that are just accelerating their innovation at at an ever faster pace. And of course, we know from experience that any significant degree of operational change, let alone technical innovation, tends to carry um, cyber risk with it that has to be managed and, and mitigated to, um, to, to, to some extent. So let, let me start with a question then. So, you know, through, through your interaction um, with monitoring of uh, clients who are growing online businesses, um, how do the threats that they face tend to differ from more traditional um, organisations? Um, okay, maybe I'll <laughs> maybe I'll tackle this. Um, I think with a growing online business, I think uh, there's a couple of points here. I think if we if we consider the more broader um, business risks, if you like, there there's going to be a huge amount of new territory. Organisations are going to be exploring in and doing so in a very uh, short period of time um, so that they can effectively continue uh, to exist. Um, so, you know, if you're, for example, in the retail sector, um, you know, all organizations are going to be ra- ramping up their uh, online capability. And I think, you know, traditionally with a lot of retail companies, you'd always had sort of, uh, you know, three main um, areas where, you were generating revenue. You had your call centers, you had your dot-com environment, um, and of course you had your stores. And the stores are going to be a key area of concern for businesses because you know, people's perception of the uh, the risk of contracting uh, COVID is of is great concern. So there is going to be a rapid increase in change of business for shifting things online. So what this is going to probably lead to now is you know you're you're not really spreading your risk. You're now containing them into the online environment um, and the call centres. Stores will continue, no doubt, but there will be less of them. Um, so that's one of the key concerns I think uh, organisations will have, particularly in the retail sector, is that they're going to be more focused now on the threats to uh, to the online business. Uh, and, and for the guys um, at, at Cyborn, where are you seeing the main? trends um in terms of you know, potential tax and so on in in, in terms of um online business 
yeah, picking up on this uh, uh, on retail, for example, uh, going online, it's it's a whole different ball game than uh, than what they were used to. Um, <clears throat> there's a there's a big question of scalability here. So uh, we've seen uh, retailers going from uh, uh, going online, having their activity increase not fivefold or tenfold, but actually increase fifty or a hundredfold. So this is this is a massive this is a massive increase in online activity in services that are being delivered online, and this puts a, puts a huge burden on the IT de- department. And uh, uh, and also generates a whole number of threats that they weren't uh, they weren't really used to dealing with. Um, there is the obvious cases of uh, <clears throat> of distributed denial of service, for example. But uh, then we also have uh, have situations in which they uh, need to change and implement technologies quickly. This leads we've seen an increase in, for example, security misconfiguration. Uh, in our monitoring activities, we pick up on things that, uh, in normal operations, uh, we didn't uh, we didn't used to see. Open ports, things that were done uh, were done quickly to keep the business growing, to keep that scalability uh, in check, uh, be able to uh, deliver services to customers, and uh, we've also seen an increase in uh, in direct attacks. So as uh, as these websites uh, uh, become more more accessed by by customers, it's it's also comes with an increase in uh, in more subtle uh, subtle attempts uh, attempts at attack. Uh, we've seen uh, increases in injection attacks. We've seen a, a great increase in uh, in scanning activity overall, vulnerability scanning. And uh, also other things that we've seen just specifically related to COVID, and this is, uh, this is general, uh, not necessarily retail. <laughs> we've seen a lot, of, uh, uh, a lot of attacks targeting the company's brand. We've seen uh, uh, spoofed websites uh, going uh, after uh, various, uh, after the business's customers. Actually, using uh, using COVID-related themes and uh, uh, and trying to trying to do attacks. And that's quite interesting because you know some of those attack types that Radu's just highlighted there. You know, distributed denial of service attacks, spoofing websites. I think what's interesting about that is, you know, we, we thought we'd solve that. We, you know, denial of service attacks were something that used to pop up, I remember, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, when I first started getting into um, cybersecurity. Um, so it's interesting you highlight that. I think what that highlights to me as well, especially if you are in the game of, you know, having this online presence, is the, the, the extent to which you're exposing your business to greater levels of impact because, you know, knocking out your, uh, your main website you know, for 72 hours with a serious, you know, DDoS attack, not only, you know, limits the revenue, um, but it doesn't take, it doesn't take sort of your customers and uh, in clients today that long to suddenly shift uh, to an alternative competitor. 
So you might end up having an immediate shock to your, you know, your revenue streams whilst that attack's going on. But longer term, you might, you might have lost, you know, a significant percentage of your, uh, you know, loyal customers. Yeah, I think, I think it's really interesting, isn't it, that um, Nick, you were saying, you know, things like, you know, controls that you might put in place to, you know, uh, to handle DDoS. Um, you thought that, that, that we got those handled you know, a long time ago. But it, what we always see is that businesses under pressure cut corners and traditional yeah. controls, they go out of the window. And sometimes it's done with the best intentions. There's sometimes, you know, you might get um, an administrator cuts a corner to get something done fast while noting at the time, okay, got to you know, there are controls we need to put in place around that. I recognise I've done it. We'll sort that later. But then, of course, it never happens. That's right. And that's, that, that's, you know, we've seen that time and time again. And I guess what we're saying is in the current environment, that that's just accelerating. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think, you know, part of our ability for mm. the remote working that we are seeing, seeing over the last couple of months, as a matter of fact, a recent showed that network vulnerabilities were identified by you know almost as many uh, as many uh, cyber attacks as uh, workload and applications. But one one of the devices that or applications that uh, most organizations haven't really put a lot of attention to are mobile apps and mobile devices. Which are increasingly in use as people work from home, people work remotely. It was already beginning to be an issue. And, you know, in 2019, 2020, we saw some of the largest uh, numbers of uh, travelers around the world, both for pleasure as well as for business, relying on mobile devices and iPads and such. Um, those are, uh, you know, prime targets for attacks. You know, yeah. the, the root cause of, you know, a significant percentage of breaches were... OS vulnerabilities as a point of uh, entry for attackers. Um, so the, the whole COVID-19 pandemic and the remote working environment has posed a, a very different type of challenge that was somewhat expected in the cyber world, but not as rapidly. And now cybersecurity companies are scrambling to assist their clients in protecting their networks, their endpoints, their devices, uh, arming them with tools and applications that are uh, security hardened, so to speak. Um, yeah. And even some things as simple as Excel files or Word documents that are emailed back and forth um, have been found to have a pretty large number of malicious files across the web. Um, and a lot of the vulnerabilities reported uh, post-2017 or what's being used for uh, a lot of the attacks that we're observing out there. Um, and these, and a lot of them are not new. I mean, more than 20% of the attacks used for vulnerabilities that are at least, you know, five to seven years old. Uh, yeah. And what that thinks in my mind is the fact that we're not necessarily faced with brand new threats that we don't know about. Uh, while, while certainly there are, there is some element of truth to that, uh, a lot of this is um, attack is taking advantage of the current situation, but organizations haven't closed the loophole on known vulnerabilities. Uh, and I think a lot of, uh, not just retailers, but engineering firms, manufacturing firms, 
Uh, even the WHO, as, as you may have heard, experienced uh, you know a five hundred percent increase in attacks over the last few months due to the pandemic. Uh, just yeah. hadn't paid as much attention or dedicated as much resources and investment towards uh, security of their infrastructure, of, of their uh, applications, and so forth. Um, yeah. And that's a that's a huge challenge right now, and, and it's not something that can be fixed overnight because uh, organizations are not prepared for disaster recovery, for uh, bringing cyber professionals, whether it's in-house or outsourced to a vendor, uh, they're just not prepared. Yeah. yeah. And do you, just, to, just on that point, Ashwin, I mean, just just looking at the source of, of these threats, is it is it is it a generalized, bit, bit too much of a generalization to say that, you know, effectively, you know, more people are losing their jobs. We've got a, a technical savvy generation that basically now not working, sat at home, and you know a number of those with you know malicious mindsets are now shifting to you know to attacking organisations for financial gain. Yeah, I mean, part of what's happening is people are relying on a lot of cloud-based applications to conduct their work. They already were pre-COVID, pre-pandemic, but more and more people are using common tools that you and I use, things like Google Drive, uh, Dropbox, uh, transfer applications. Yeah. When it comes to fintech companies, we're talking about credit card frauds and those kind of things where online purchases have increased uh, significantly when people are not going to the stores, so ordering everything online. Um, that poses a very unique risk which was already present, but not in large numbers that we're seeing today. Um, yes, yeah. So those, those are the kinds of things, you know, organizations need to be thinking about just because a uh, manufacturer is not a bank or a financial institution does not mean that their customers' uh, data will, is not at risk from a financial transaction standpoint because everybody has financial systems. And what we're also seeing in at Cyborn, we see a lot of clients where their networks are not directly penetrated, but there's a group attacks uh, where they try and penetrate a large number of uh, our clients' customers' networks in order to get into something else. Um, this is called uh, cloud public cloud storage exposure um, because we rely on public cloud storage, and they are especially sensitive uh, to the workload and the data and the processing that curse over there. So yeah. that's what I would say. It's called, uh, you know, the, the other piece that we're seeing is uh, extortion and even double extortion, whether it's holding data ransom or uh, threatening to leak data or delete data. And we're seeing this even with pharma companies over the last few months where a lot of companies are competing for COVID-19 vaccine, they're doing research, vast amount of data that they rely on. And yeah. speed is of the essence and prime target for attackers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think what I'm hearing then is that, you know, the the attack vectors, the threats are not necessarily evolving in terms of um, their capabilities, but there is a definite increase in terms of um, people preying on organizations um, vulnerabilities in terms of working patterns and shift online and on the flip side 
again, you know, it, it, there have been proven techniques for understanding and mitigating cyber risk um, out there now for, you know, for some years. So are we saying then that basically that those normal sort of diligence related activities that organizations should go through when they're releasing new products, services, taking new systems online, decommissioning services, that basically all that diligence related activity is just not getting the chance to be done properly because of the sheer volume of business that is now just having to be shifted online. And so are we saying that really it's more about capacity to do things right as much as it is about actually anything that's particularly technically new yeah it's it's a little bit of a of a perfect storm what happened um going to your question what we've seen uh, really seen is not an increase in the sophistication of attacks so we're not seeing uh, more sophisticated attacks uh, coming in what we're actually seeing is a is a great increase in the number, in the actual number of attacks that are coming in. This this trend started somewhere um, at the end of February, and it increased all the way through April, and it's uh, it's sort of stabilized now. But it's definitely it's definitely an increase. And if you correlate this increase in attacks with um, uh, a need to uh, expedite delivery to to expedite the, the development process, to actually get all, all of your services online. As I've mentioned before, this is a, this is a, clear, uh, a clear recipe for, uh, for successful attacks. Um, the, um, this also leads to an overloading of the security processes themselves because, um, again, um, um, Part of the job of security operations is actually looking for that needle in the haystack. It's uh, it's finding that uh, out of uh, I don't know a, a thousand, ten thousand unsuccessful attacks, uh, singling out that one uh, one individual who is who is a sophisticated attacker who does have access to some uh, zero day vulnerability and who is actually capable of doing some real damage. And uh, uh, as I've said before, when, when that sheer number of attacks increases, also the effort required to, uh, to ensure that security uh, has to increase itself. It, it's a huge challenge in, uh, in, uh, in agility and just scaling, not just yeah. technology, but people as well. Because we were, uh, we were pretty much prepared in terms of technology. We could easily scale with our customers. But just as our customers have problems with uh, uh, their own internal IT staff, just going through all of those procedures, all of those secure coding, uh, secure security by design, security by default, secure coding practices, uh, it's the same on our side. People are, are always challenged. I think what Radu's highlighted there, I think, is a really important point. Um, and it reminds me of that, you know, that, that sort of common statement of, um, you know, hackers they need to be lucky once, and security, you know, have to be lucky all the time. Um, and I think you know the picture you painted there is 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 really one of, of quite quite concerning from a cybersecurity point of view because it's quite clear that for organisations to um, to survive and change so quickly that they have nothing, they have to accelerate their e-commerce capabilities. No doubt about it. And I'm also thinking here that 
you know, to enable that acceleration of their online capabilities, then if they don't have the internal skills in-house, then they're going to look for suppliers. And that also poses a problem because how often, how quickly a decision is going to be made about services and suppliers, whether it's, you know, even third parties or fourth parties or whatever you want, how far ever you want to go. But, you know, that whole supply chain piece, you know, I think is 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 a real key area of concern at the minute because the natural place to go to for IT, you know, ramping up your IT capability isn't to spend three months trying to pick out the right people for recruitment. Forget that. You know, if you're going to wait for three months, your company's probably going to, it's going to die pretty quickly. So, you know, jump into the supply chain, find our suppliers, get them onboarded, start getting them developing. But at what point does security come into that whole supply chain equation as well? Uh, we know that, you know, historically trying to get transparency and visibility in suppliers for security has always been problematic. And I wonder whether that's also going to be accentuated now, given, you know, the emphasis on just getting those online services ramped up and security is almost, uh, you know, considered or viewed as a potential challenge and roadblock. It's it, it, in a sense it extends out into everything, doesn't doesn't it? I mean, supply chain is is, is just is a is a really good example. I mean, we've known for a long time that, um, that sizable supply chains carry significant cyber risk, and that unless you prioritise um, based on risk profile amongst different suppliers, you're, you're you're going to create yourself a big big headache. So that's that's just being amplified right now. So yeah. so if if we're facing this sort of perfect storm of um, pressure to ramp up fast, which runs the risk of cutting corners. Um, and if we couple that with the focus um, in malspace, let's say, um, on preying on, on organizations' sensitivities and the knowledge that organizations are having to ramp up fast and potentially cut corners, what, what what does good look like then, given all those conditions that are in play at the moment and given that there probably isn't any single silver bullet to this phenomenon that we're, that we're talking about? It's a combination of, uh, of focusing on, uh, uh, of doing your threat assessment well and, and focusing on what, uh, what matters and, uh, uh, and just getting the, the right skill set to to help your uh, your organization. Uh, so, for example, going uh, going back to the to the retailers, um, there there's a let's say that cybersecurity their threat landscape is not is not as aggressive as, for example, uh, something like banking or yes. uh, or government, where where you have state actors. But they're uh, they're getting to to be um, uh, to see a lot more a lot more traffic a lot more uh, a lot more people coming in. So the challenge there is is focusing on the threats. If the threats coming from uh, from web, for example, you need to focus on on those preventive uh, those preventive measures and putting in those monitoring and logging uh, logging mechanisms that. Uh, are probably not on the top on the top of the checklist. So uh, what I've seen maybe before 
cybersecurity was not uh, was not one of their priorities. But now, in uh, in uh, recent months, I'm seeing a lot of involvement in terms of just uh, going through the applications, going through the design, going through the the, the workflows, and identifying. Uh, those uh, uh, those points where we can put in detective controls, where we can put in logging, uh, and and just be prepared for uh, for any attack that comes in. Also, um, I see them, uh, and I recommend leveraging as much uh, as possible cloud security providers yeah. uh, that are able to scale with their business and they're able to uh, to deliver quick and uh, uh, cost-effective services for them. Yeah. I think, um, I, I think the, last, the last point that um, Bradley made there about you know, the ability to scale your security solutions in the cloud is absolutely key. Um, there are a couple of other points um, I'd, I'd like to just highlight. I think, well, going back to this, what does good look like? I think, I think it's important to, to emphasize that security functions are going to, you know, like everybody, we're going to find it particularly tough. Um, but I think we're going to find it particularly tough in, secu- in cybersecurity because um, we may, may not be able to, you know, achieve that level of detail and granularity that allows us to make, you know, those good, informed, objective decisions. So that's, I think, the first thing. There's going to have to be a, a mind sh- mindset shift in that area. Um, but I think the second point that I think it's really important, especially for senior level security folk and CISOs and even chief risk officers, there have to be there has to be some key messages highlighting to senior management the possible impacts now with this, you know, accelerated change in, in the business to on I think it's just making that clear and visible um, as to what those um, you know what those risks are because you basically you know, you've, you've siloed the risks, if you like, when you've shifted from, you know, multiple stores to being online. Um, and I think because of that, I would encourage um, organizations to focus, you know, focus more on the ability to recover now. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, preventative and detective, you know, measures are important. They are. And as, you know, Radu highlighted before, you know, emphasis around monitoring you know, security-related anomalies, that, that, that's absolutely paramount. Um, but I also think that organizations need to consider how they can recover from a major, you know, attack. Whether you're, you know, whether you're, you know, a retailer and you, you know, you're knocked out for three days during, you know, I don't know, a key seasonal time of the year that generates 60% of your business. Um, but also, you know, utility companies, oil and gas companies that, you know, typically have engineers that are able to go on site and, you know, and, and they can no longer do that and having to operate remotely. Um, you know, these are all factors that need to consider. So sometimes considering the worst case scenario and playing that out through, you know, recovery procedures is not a bad idea to consider. I, I think that based on what I'm hearing, you know, it seems to me, it's fairly clear that cyber risk now is way up there in terms of any organization's you know primary risks to their 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 business survival and you know we always talk about the importance of making sure that your 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 cyber security strategy is fit for purpose 
And it seems to me that there are not many organizations right now that don't need to revisit their overarching strategy for cyber because we've seen such a change in operating conditions that there are not many cybersecurity um, frameworks, processes, whatever you want to call them inside an organization, management systems, they, they carry all sorts of different names that would easily be able to cope with such a massive shift to online. So it strikes me that there's, 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 a, there's a degree of acceptance that organizations are going to have to make about the, this, this, everyone talks about the, you know, the new normal, but you know, it, it is a new normal in, in a cybersecurity sense, and that um, there's going to be, have to be far more um, thinking about how organisations can apply a risk lens to everything and focus activities in the right places to 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 support business acceleration and growth. So we've always talked about the importance of, you know, we look at supplier relationships and at CRMG, we talk about the importance of performing triage on different suppliers to make sure you're only applying the right rigor to the organizations and suppliers that really warrant it. And it seems to me that that sort of thinking has to be applied across the board so that, you know, yes, you recognize you've got to ramp up um, your overall management practice and make sure you've got consistent security operations, but at the same time, recognizing that there are still only limited resources available. So you have to target those resources in the best place. And the only way you can do that is align that with risk. Rather, can you talk a little bit about why docs are important, why security operations centers are gaining a lot of momentum uh, over the last six months, uh, for example? Uh, talk a little bit about the importance of that versus uh, running vulnerability scans and assessments and security hardening. Uh, what differentiates docs? And I think that's a critical component of the whole cybersecurity infrastructure in today's world? Uh, what managed detection and response uh, uh, actually does. So what, what happened in the, uh, in the first half of this year is that uh, organizations that were used to handling, um, uh, handling things uh, uh, mostly in, a, uh, okay, maybe not in, a, in an enclosed perimeter because they, uh, they had operations spread out across uh, various platforms uh, in the cloud, software as a service, uh, or such. But, but they were pretty much used to having, um, <clears throat> having control over their, uh, their employee systems, over the, the hardware they were using, over the software. Uh, and what, uh, what the pandemic forced them was to r- release some of that control. Now, this automatically brings with it a lot of gaps in your security strategy, things that things that you weren't accounting for, things that you weren't prepared for. Uh, the irony of the situation actually is because you mentioned business continuity before. Um, in uh, at least from my experience, a lot of the times, um, <clears throat> business continuity and disaster recovery. Disaster recovery falls to uh, to IT department, and it's usually supervised by. Uh, by somebody from security and uh, somebody who thinks of this, these uh, risks to security, information security and cybersecurity. But what turned out to, uh, to happen when, when the pandemic hit, they, they had strategies for IT, but they really didn't have a lot of strategies for security and cybersecurity. Um, what MDR brings to the table is a change in perspective because you mentioned that an attacker 
the, that the security team needs to be successful 100% of the time uh, uh, to be effective. And an, a, an attacker only needs to get lucky once. Um, but this thing shifts. Now, if let's say an attacker is successful, and, and does actually manage to penetrate some, uh, some of those security controls, that's really when uh, managed detection and response comes into play and why it's important to have, uh, uh, to have a security team looking inside your, uh, uh, your network, inside your infrastructure, because that's where the tables turn. That's where the, the attacker uh, actually needs to be perfect actually needs to uh, not to make any mistakes. That's actually where the attacker only needs to make one mistake for the security team to actually catch him and uh, uh, him, her, uh, remove the attacker from the network. So that's, I would say that's the most important element of, uh, uh, of managed detection and response, actually having that capability to respond to a crisis when, uh, when it happens. Yeah. It, it, it's really being Murphy's law. If it can happen, it will happen. Yeah. So what you're saying is, in a sense, it, it evens the playing field a little bit or levels it a little bit. Um, yeah. Because you're, yeah, okay. It, interesting. Obviously, the purpose is to keep attackers out. And 99% of the time, 99.99% of the time, uh, that's what we're doing. Uh, the job—it's—it's it's not only detection; it's—it's it's also improving that those prevention capabilities, because all of those uh, uh, all of those thousands of failed attacks that I've been mentioning, we're monitoring those, and and we're looking for uh, for things that uh, that attackers are are doing, what they're using, and we we've had a lot of situations where we've actually spotted vulnerabilities. And holes before uh, before attackers were able to actually exploit them, mm. but it's it's also about that crucial zero point zero one percent element. Yeah. And would you say that um, the rate of success has actually changed at all? I mean, we know we know that the sheer number of um, of attacks is is likely to have increased. But is, is, is the actual success rate changed at all, would you say? The, the success rate is actually more not correlated with, this, with the number of attacks. It's actually correlated with, uh, um, the, let's say, the, uh, the environment. So uh, you see increasing success rates when new vulnerabilities are, uh, are exposed and, and detected. So whenever, whenever new vulnerabilities are published, uh, generally, there's a, there's a big lag between uh, when those vulnerabilities are actually patched within, uh, within organizations. And that's really when you see an increase of, uh, of successful attacks. Guys, that's been really interesting. I think what, what, what we're saying is that the, the sheer pressure on organizations to, to do what they should always have been doing well is is just ever increasing that the the sheer number of um, attacks is is on the increase that we're not necessarily seeing anything massively new in terms of sophistication in attacks but we're seeing we're seeing that a whole mix of um, 
activities is really required on organ- by, by organisation to to make sure that they are um, pr- protected as, as far as, as possible. So we've talked about the importance of getting technology right and in the right places. We've talked about the importance of a risk-based mindset. We've talked about the importance of the involvement of people at the right stages. We've talked about how um, a SOC um, can play a really, really important part in um, in spotting um, attacks and vulnerabilities before they actually play play out. So, guys, thank you very much indeed for that contribution. Really interesting, as I say. And uh, we'll look forward to the next one. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks very everybody. much. Thanks, Simon. Thank you.